See the bit behind. Love you. Come on. Load. Aha. Yes. Ellen Blackwood from Killy. Hey, yeah. Simon Farquhar. I'm cooking Colin Skink. Well done, David Hardy. Luciana Fatima from Brazil, hello, Taunton Leisure, if you just sent me another thing about a tent, I don't want your tents. Uh, David Campbell, Fishy Friday, Neil Quarrel, hello from Southampton, Teresa Langton, hey Wickham, Fred Van Liesert from the Netherlands, all coming in, all coming in, all coming in. Uh, Mike Britton, Chantal Walton, uh, Mike Freeburn, how you doing Mikey, how's your chilies lad? Andy Lenham, Cramlington, Northumberland. Richard Imlach, 50th birthday this week. Oh, happy birthday to you. Sorry about the hair. It's, uh, it's kind of, it's really spiky. It's really, I was going to do it this morning and I was late getting up, uh, very late getting up today. I had, um, I had a, an accidental session last night. <laughs> well, what we said was, so the wife and I said, like, all right, what we'll do is we'll kind of, we'll be really good. But we're going to watch the Biden-Trump uh, debate last night, which was on at two o'clock in the morning. And I was kind of quite up for watching it because it was the final debate and stuff. So I thought, you know, let's stay up. So someone said, let's get a bottle of wine. So we got a couple of bottles of wine in and we had an extra one, which was kind of like, we're grown-ups. We're grown-ups. We can deal with that. We can, you know, we, we can say no, right? So anyway, we started watching, we're watching The Bureau, which is a great uh, thing. It's on, I'm watching, I can't remember what, it's one of those, you know those weird things you get, you start watching, there's like five episodes and you watch the first three and then suddenly you want to watch the next episode, the next episode, oh, sorry, the next series. And then suddenly the next series is on something that you get a month free for, a month free and then it's five nine and after that. And I completely forgot about those, I had about five or six of them on the go. And I was like, oh, I forgot, I got you know, at night going, oh, I've got to watch the next one. Anyway, we'll be watching The Bureau, which is a French kind of political thing. It's a, it's a brilliant, brilliant series. We're on we're on series five now. And uh, so we started watching that. So we started drinking the wine last night. And it was like, we were going on, we're having a bit of natter. And so we were, we were trying to work out how, how it was for Simona to get back to Karlsruhe to see your dad. And Gunther, if you're watching, you may be watching Gunther. Hello, Grusser Gunther. It's my father-in-law. He watches it, you know, every Friday. He might come up here in the line. But uh, Andy Trotter from Bodesolo. Um So anyway, so we were kind of watching the Bureau and then it was like, okay, let's flip across because we always do Trump time. CNN, we always watch CNN at close of play every night because it just makes us feel a little bit better, you know, about where we are. <laughs> and, uh, so we would start watching that and then, it, then we start talking about Karlsruhe and about going back home and then we paused the TV and then try to talk and we were sitting talking away and watching the TV and Trump time and da 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 and the wine and da da da. And what happened was that um, uh, Liam's girlfriend, um, her mum had, had dropped us off a bottle of wine and we were told, oh, it's a bottle of wine. So we had an extra one. And that was just a recipe for disaster. 
<laughs> so we did the spare one, right? The one that we were adult enough to basically turn our noses up at and not do. So we did the spare one, and then it was like we're sitting there at half one in the morning, waiting on the on the, the debate, and we thought, well, we could just have another. We just might as well open the last one, and that was it. It was tails. <laughs> so this morning it was like I was I was waiting on the. I was waiting on my mum's alarm going off, going, where's my breakfast, where's my breakfast? So I, I didn't get up till 10, and I've been wandering about where he'd for rattlesnakes today. So it's, uh, and as I said, I, I was going to actually shave, and I, I was late getting up, and late getting onto things, and phone calls went, and pay this bill, we need this done urgently. So I'm in through there in my, my, in my dressing gown, and everything was, the whole day was moving. And I, you know, as you know, I didn't even get the 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 the, the results. I've just seen it. I've actually not seen the results. I'm assuming it's Perfume River. <laughs> if so, if somebody can tell me if it was actually Perfume River that got the votes, because I had to put all these all the songs up with it last month. I'm going like, what songs? What songs? He's going like, Rrr. right. But it's, uh, so I got that post up late, and the whole afternoon just went. And I was going to go in and shave with my little Phillips beard trimmer with a vacuum cleaner. And I thought, I'll leave it till later. And later became now. <laughs> I did think about maybe doing a live on stage, on stage, on couch. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to do it, do it live. And I thought, no, it'd be too noisy. And with a buzzing razor, I'll never be able to ask questions, answer questions properly. But so what I was saying, she said, you should change it about a bit, you know, maybe maybe change things around and, and, and so I thought next week I'll do the control room. So I've just said next week do the control room. So the show, the show will be from the control room. <laughs> <coughs> but, it's, but I've still got this. Let's go, so. Welcome to Fish and Friday. A very happy earning your night to you, one and all. Wherever you are, whatever level, tier you're existing on at this moment in time. Fuck, is it confusing or what? We've got five tiers up here now, five. Uh, I don't know what they all mean, you know, but it's, uh, I'm trying to get, you know, I've not been out. You know, like I said, it was, uh, it was Simona's birthday on Monday as well. So it was, uh, and we couldn't go anywhere. So it was like, uh, I, I went down to Musselburgh and I went down to Clark's, the fishmongers down at Musselburgh, which is a, a great fishmongers. And someone I wanted uh, clams. So I got a load of clams and, she made spaghetti vongoli, uh, spaghetti vongoli, which clams and, and oh, it was beautiful. And um, and then I bought some monkfish as well that we had on uh, Wednesday night. So the fish van that came on Wednesday was, wasn't very happy. We kind of hid underneath the duvet and then went there, eh, eh, outside with the fish van. So we didn't go out, so he'll not be happy with me next week. But I think some of the other neighbours went out. But, I mean, uh, but yeah, so it was a, it was a kind of very <laughs> quiet birthday, but I'll, I'll show you what's been happening. Right? I got the place done up nice for you tonight. So, you know, there you go. Fire's on. Look at that. Ain't that pretty? Fire and candles, so we're all set up for Perfume River later on. But uh, I need to show you this. It's, um, where a couple of the, a couple of the cabin mice were out working for a couple of days. It's getting really dark now. But, um, Look at this lot. Not bad, eh? 
And that's, um, I know the cry of cider, cider scrumpy is going out. I can hear it, I can hear it even out here, coming from the screen. Scrumpy, cider. Maybe, I don't know. But it's, um, we've got a bunch of apples to go through. So like, there's all that lot. And I've got a great, um, I got a good press by this company called Vigo. And it's a, it's a proper full on apple press. And so we've got about 50, 60 bottles of apple juice. And normally we'll, we'll throw 20 litres of cider maybe at the side. But yeah, it's the last of the wee tomatoes and my wee smiley trumpets pull up ahead. Yeah. And those are, um, uh, that's um, oriental salad that I planted ages ago. It's really cool. And then I've got spinach salad leaves. That's, um, I think that's, and it's no wild guy, it's some wild, some onion, wild spring onion or something. And that's uh, spinach. And the little, the little green plants, there are some weeds in there, I admit. But the little green ones, the ones you can see in the row, those are all radishes and they're still growing as well as mama carrots. But this is kind of out here. Just checking for rabbits. Bastards! <laughs> Sometimes it works. But um, yeah, so it's someone's birthday. So uh, I got her this. What is that you're asking? What is that? Machine? A machine? A kitchen machine? Yes, a kitchen machine, a machine for the kitchen. And it's a kitchen aid. And it's a great big, um, it's a big mixing thing. So that's prompted a wee kind of move about the kitchen. So we changed the coffee and it's a new grinder thing across there. So we've got a wee coffee bar now. But the artisan thing, the KitchenAid, that's because Sona and Liam make bread. And um, that means that we can get more dough made a lot easier. So it's like being really cool. So, um, which is nice. <laughs> So yeah, so that was a birthday present, a KitchenAid thing for, for making bread, and she'd always wanted one. And, um, and it's serious how we weren't going to be going out to Fisher's, which is normally like, you know, a ka-ching bill at the end. So we decided to put, take the ka-ching factor from that and use it as a ka-ching factor for um, the KitchenAid, and it's brilliant. So it's... Um, <laughs> Janke, yeah, hello. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a kind of weird week, real strange week. As I said, it was Simona's birthday on the Monday, and uh, so we had a wee scoosh that night. And then Tuesday, and Wednesday's just been dealing with stuff. And um, I was personally sending out uh, replacement sleeves for. These ones that are damaged, the Velschmerz vinyls have been damaged in the post. We're numbering, in damaged items, it's, I think it's 32 now. And out of that 32, about 27 of them were directly attributed to just shite postal handling. Shite. Fragile, do not bend. Fragile, do not bend. Which part of that do you not understand? Yeah. And, it, and actually, an Austrian, an Austrian guy, and he was, he was really cool, actually, because he said, look, you know, it happens. And he just went, you know, there's a crease in it, but I can deal with it, right? 
and he took a photograph, right, of the the album, right, in his letterbox, and the postie, right, had actually tried to bend the vinyl in to get it through the postbox, right, with fragile written all over it, right, and it's um, it's just nuts, and it, it drives me insane, and um. So we have been, I have been sending out replacement covers, you know, for those, you know, that are, are kind of obviously badly damaged and stuff. Uh, but I mean, the, the problem is that we've sold out of vinyl and, and I never actually believed that we'd, we'd sell out of vinyl so fast. It's taken me completely by surprise. And, um, and of course, the issue is that of the, the, the 30 odd sleeves that I've had to replace, I've had to take those 30 sleeves and take good albums out of the 30 sleeves and send the sleeves out. And I've had two today where the sleeves have gone out and both come back bent and we've said, that's it, you know, we just can't do it, you know. But um, we're doing our best to deal with it all. And Profact, who are my Dutch manufacturers, are absolutely, have been absolutely stunning, right? Um, on the repress, which we're doing a 2000 repress of Weltschmerz, which will arrive probably the first week of February, just about in time to get caught up in the 7,000 trucks that are going to be trapped at Dover, right, after the Brexit thing. So, um, but Profact have been absolutely brilliant. And I think, I think it's 100. They're sending me 100 uh, gatefold sleeves, which um, I'll be able to use to put, um, basically, the vinyls that I've taken. Because what I was doing was basically taking the, the vinyl and the, the inner sleeves out when nobody needed the inner sleeves, if they hadn't been damaged, and would just send the, the gatefold sleeve. So Profact have given me 100 gatefold sleeves, which means all the vinyl that's sitting through there. That means I'm probably going to get about 30 or 40 vinyls back online again. And they might be able to just keep a little bit of a tick over for about a day. <laughs> Uh, but it means I can bring them back back online again. But I mean, that, that's where, where I haven't been doing, you know, I've had two Blu-rays, I think. It was two Blu-ray discs that were damaged. One person, right, actually got a book, and I don't know how this happened, right, but it was obviously an end-of-the-run thing. But he got a book that was actually upside down. So when you actually opened it up, it was back to front and upside down. So, uh, so he got a new one. <laughs> but it's been good. I mean... Without going into detail, if this had been under, an, uh, if there had been somebody else through there in, in, the, in the office, I don't think they would have come anywhere near to coping with what Simona has dealt with. And she's been absolutely stunning. She's not here at this moment in time. And she's on the way down to the co-op to, to get tonight's food. But she's been brilliant. And, and dealing with, with everything, it's been, there's some crazy issues come up. And uh, one of the things, right, and you know me, I'm always straight up, right? We've had software issues. There's been software issues and there have been some pre-orders from way back, right, that we don't know where they are. We have to go and find them and we need a nudge and some ident to, to try and find them, right? So what I'm asking you to do is if some, I know you guys have been absolutely brilliant. And the way that your patience has been, you know, incredible, you know, and let us deal with it. It's, they're gone now. I mean, this is the house now. Look at it. It's like, there's no cardboard or very little. And um, 
But some of these pre-orders, because of the way that the the software... Oh, what was this going on? Right. Because of the way the software has, has dealt with some of these pre-orders, there are some people that still haven't got them. If you have ordered way back, right, and you're... Um, if you've ordered way back and you're still missing your order, then get in touch, sales at fishmusic.scot and ask Simona. So if you've been waiting for weeks and weeks, not if you've ordered in the last week or whatever, don't, please don't do that. But if you've, if you've got something, if you've got an order that's been outstanding for, like if you've been waiting for over a month or whatever, get in touch with sales at fishmusic.scot and tell Simona and she will do a damnedest thing to sort it out for you. It's nothing to do with us. It's all got to do with the, 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 the software on the, 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 the mail order site. We don't run that. Basically, it all goes through a company. And it's, we've just had issues that we've been dealing with for quite a while. But we've just got to the point where, you know, we have to have to say this now. It's like, if you've been waiting and you've been really patient, you thank you. But, you know, just in case, if you've not got something, then send us an email. You know, but it's make sure it's, it's like from like a month ago because there are still things that are moving out. There was a lot of things moving out just in the last four days. But at this moment in time, our decks are cleared. You know, like at four o'clock today, the decks were cleared. But we know there are still some things that are hidden in that software, right? And we can't find them. And we need you to tell us your order number. Always put your name and your order number and get in touch with us if you're waiting. It's not that many, but it's enough to piss me off, right? And that it should have been done, right? And it's got nothing at all to do with us. So I will leave it at that. But as I said, with the vinyl, it's, um, we've not got that many Feast of Consequences left either. I think we've only got about 60, about 60 uh, vinyl of Feast of Consequences left. There are no vinyls at this moment until we get the repeat sleeves when we get the the gateful sleeves from Profact, then I can put the, the the butchered one. They won't be shrink wrapped, but they'll be um, the vinyl and the inner sleeves we put in at the spear gatefold. So we'll have some more stock, which will it'll tickle the demand at the moment. But um, but yeah, so Profact have been absolutely brilliant getting that lot sorted out. But the the albums are going to be in uh, at the end of January, beginning of February. That's when the next two thousand albums. I don't know what we're going to do with them yet. I don't know whether we go on pre-order. I've not made that decision yet. I'm not putting them on pre-order just now because I just I want to give, make sure the system is operating correctly, and it's um, and I'm not playing whack-a-mole anymore. And um, so once the once we get definitive dates, then I'll probably put a pre-order up. But it is not going to be in in the next month or so. But it's uh. But as I said, the, the gatefold sleeves that Profact have got, I'm getting, I think it's in the first week of November. So I will give a little bleep, you know, before, I'll give you a heads up, you know, before that happens for anybody that's trying to hunt down vinyl. You know, watch what you're doing. This, yeah, because I went on Amazon, right? And I was checking out, just who was selling stuff and things, you know? And uh, because... But because I did that, I'm on the algorithm. So now it's like I keep on getting reminded, you may be interested in fish albums. You may be interested in fish albums. And there they are, the remasters, 45 quid on Amazon. 45 quid. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's nearly, it's nearly double the price of, of, of kind of what, where we're at. 
And there's a vigil album that I keep on getting reminded that I can buy. I don't know. I don't know whether it's been sent as a wind up, you know, just to remind me to get on with the remaster, right? Which I am still, still waiting on a piece of paper that says I can do it, and I cannot proceed until I have a bit of paper that's signed off that says I can basically I have the license to go and do a with the vigil remaster. So I'm still waiting on that, and uh, it's been a pain in the ass. But I mean, um. But what I was saying was like, you know, with a vigil thing, it's like 149 quid for a vigil CD. Seriously. I mean, how did the guy come up with that number? Oh, I've got a vigil CD, right? I wonder how much I could get for that. Mmm, 148 quid, I'll try my luck. 148 quid for a CD? You're having a laugh, mate. And of course, when we see them, I mean, Simona sees them and we're kind of, you know, we get orders coming in from people like, you know, can, can I have like two CDs, four CD deluxes and a vinyl, right? And then five days later, the same person come back, can I have like two, two vinyls and three deluxes? And you know they're selling them on, you know? Which is another one of the reasons why, you know, I, I'm not signing anything on, on Veltschmerz because I know what's going to happen. There was a Dutch guy, I think I told you a couple of weeks back, was actually advertising a signed Veltschmerz album before we even had the vinyl here, right? And that was a bit cheeky, right? And, um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, the Amazon prices are just, some of them are just ridiculous, you know? And it's like kettle of fish. I mean, you know, we've been selling them for three, they're about eight, 15 quid, I think they are. But it's just unreal, right? And people have been asking me about the retail thing. And like, we're not doing it. I am not doing it. I'm not moving to retail at the moment. And I'm not, definitely not selling on Amazon. My choice, my decision, right? The thing is, it's like, you know, we can run it from here. People have talked about the postage and things, but I mean, I was talking about somebody, if I had actually put the deluxe out and said like, okay, the deluxe is 60 quid and it's five quid for postage, you know? I mean, these people got the Veltschmerz deluxe version and gone like, wow, this is amazing. And uh, But I mean, the postage is what we do. I mean, we've been just, we've just been straight and upfront about it. You know, this is what the wrong wheel charge. There's a minor charge goes on for like, the packaging, et cetera, et cetera, and everything else we cover within that. But the postage is expensive and I hate it. And I don't like the way that they deal with packages after paying so much money, right? And, um, and it, 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 kind of, it makes me shudder sometimes when you, know, you find out some of the stuff that goes on. I mean, packages, oh, maybe I should move on. <laughs> Christina Seadri, play rain gods, no. Ray Rooks, thank you, Uncle Fish, no problem. Stephen Arons, uh, Adriano Castro from Brazil, hello. Uh, <laughs> at least Dick Turpin of the Bodice say wear a mask, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's... Radiohead and a few others are aware of shipped their vinyl, yeah. It's in, I mean, we try and find it, I mean, to go back to the, the vinyl stuff, right? So, Veltschmerz, we've got the gateful sleeves that arrive in the first, second week of November, which means I'm going to get some of the vinyls with the inner sleeves. I can, I can remake them and we can put them up. And the next one will be, uh, the next Veltschmerz will be in, in February, uh, beginning of February, right? Maybe earlier. They're trying. And face the consequences, as I said, there's only about 60 or 70 uh, vinyls left. And it looks like what I'm going to be going ahead and doing is I'm going to be looking at doing a, a rerun of the Veltschmerz vinyl. 
because it's just unbelievable. And I'll be hearing from other people, you know, like um, just that the demand for vinyl in the world. Everybody's decided to to go for vinyl. I don't know what it is. It's like you know, you know, because of lockdown and, and stuff, and people just refinding their vinyl collections and going like, well, I love vinyl. It sounds great. Um, but yeah, I could do with finding out a, a good way to send vinyl. I mean, I thought the packages we had were were brilliant. And, you know, and the packages are arriving in pretty good shape. It's the stuff that's inside. So we have to try and find a way by the time we get into the next run of vinyl, you know, see what we can do. Uh, Ray Rooks, thank you. Uh, Vitor Felgiris, the visual remaster thing just sticks now. Just stinks now. Yeah, it's... um. <clears throat> The, the visual thing, I mean, we're, we're ready to go, yeah? Oh, this and our thing. It's like, like I said, I'll be prob I'm looking at going for, depending on what the prices are on it, going for a Weltschmerz remake. And if I'm going to do that, I was talking with Steve Vances. This is part of the news, right? So, uh, we're going to redo uh, 13 Star. Uh, Keith Marshall, yes, good. I'm glad you won ride, ride well. Good, mate. Uh, but yeah, so I was talking with Steve and I was talking with Callum and like I said with, with Vigil, I cannot move I mean, legally I can't move on anything and I'm not going to start bringing things together and then find out that, you know, somebody's decided that I can't have it, you know, I'm, as far as I'm aware it's all going to happen but I need a bit of paper signed off Internal XL belongs to me anyway It's you know, Vigil is the only album that I don't own I don't own the copyright of but internal, and I want to put Vigil and internal off out at the same time, so there's a, there's a double hit in there. But, 13 Star, everybody was talking about uh, Manchmal, and there was a huge response to me playing Manchmal from 30 Star the other week. And um, we were looking at it, and there's no CDs left, and I don't want to go with it, and I, and I, I don't want to go for just a repress of the previous one. So it was when I was thinking about it, it's like, you know, 30 starts way back in 2007, right? 2007, eight, right? And I thought, remaster. So I talked to Steve, I talked to Callum, and not only are we doing a remaster, Callum's talking about doing a remix of 30 Star to bring it up to the same kind of area as the Velchmerz production is. Now, if that doesn't make you drool, I don't know what will, because it made me drool when Callum went, why don't I do this? And he said, I really want to make it special again. He said it was great, but he said I can make it really special. And so Steve, because Steve's in lockdown down in Birmingham, if you're watching Steve, good evening, Kevin Pearson. Steve's put together all the bits and pieces, and he's looking at all the demos. We've got a load of demos, because Steve being Steve, he kept a load of bits and pieces. So there's at least a CD of demos. And there's the Nearfest material. Um, so I'm looking at doing a Blu-ray. I'm not really looking at a five to one because it's, it's too expensive to do for the amount of albums we would sell as a, as a remaster. And But the Blu-ray, there's the original stuff that was on the, um, the kind of deluxe 30 star that we can use plus another interview which brings it completely up to date and reinvestigates it from a completely different angle, right? 
And there's all the near fest footage because we played, I think it was eight tracks, or I think eight tracks off the 13 Star at near fest. And people have been asking about this near fest show. So that's what's going to be in the Blu-ray. So we've got near fest, the two interviews, um, and various other bits and pieces that we're having a little dig about to find if we can find some stuff in there. And uh, so 13 Star, when that happens, we will be doing another vinyl. And we will be, obviously, it'll be a remastered vinyl album. So that will be the, the three vinyls that will be tagging off the beginning of the year. And Internal Excel and Vigil, whenever we get that sorted out, they will have vinyls with them when, we, when, we, when that goes as a remaster. The vinyls will happen at the same time. And, um, and then we just have to see how it carries on. But 13 Star has kind of moved right into our focus now. Um, and it gives us something, everybody something to do. And the other good bit of news is Callum is living across in Fife. And he's moving over here. <laughs> he's coming back onto the other side of the river. And he's only going to be living about three, four miles down the road from me, which is fantastic. So I'll have my buddy down the road. So I can actually cycle down. And, or he can cycle over. But he said, he said if we get bits, we'll have to get electric ones because the Gallatin Hills are a bit too steep. Especially when you're a bottle of red wine. Not that I would ever drink red wine and drive a bicycle. Ride a bicycle. Uh. Right. Anyway, Mark Charles Stewart, if you remove the vinyl from the jackets, it can help. Common technique used by serious record collectors and traders. Did think about that. And it's something we'll consider. Because uh, the problem was, because the, the, the guys in the postal services or whatever... Well, I've been throwing them around. The, the discs have been coming straight through the gatefold sleeve. So my only concern would be, you know, if we run, run on that. It means it's going to be a lot more work intensive if, if we're going to follow that. But yeah, we'll have to see how it runs. Mm. Robert Olsen, isn't 13 Star fine as it is? No. It could do where it's... It's something that needs to be brushed up. And, you know, the, the thing with remastering is, as well, when you, when you remaster, the technology changes so much. You know, the technology is always changing. I mean, back in the days, you used to just play about with EQs, and the EQs were like, you know, great, and you could, that, you know, just change the curve a little bit. It's a whole new ballgame now. There is so much technology available to enhance sound. And that's what Callum wants to do. And when your producer turns around and says, I can make this really special, and it is Callum Malcolm, you know, we're going for it, you know? So. Colin Ferguson, Barney, how you doing? Atlanta, or you're back over. Martin Paul Dixie, Lee Brown. Yeah. Bertie Olinto, greetings from Canada. Kai Schroeder. Reeve, love with 30 Star, please remaster. Um... Mark Charles Stewart, Samantha Little, yes, yeah, it's good. Yeah, so 30, it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of material around. So I reckon what we're going to do is go the, the same as were uh, the Velschmerz booklet and have internal and uh, like that as well, Vigil and internal, that's the idea to do that hardback book and the slipcase thing because there's, there's specials, the special albums and I think 30 Star and... Um, you know, 30 Star Feast the Consequences out is, uh, you know, to Velchmelts to the end. You know, I think it can, uh, they warrant, they warrant a, 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 a bit of oomph to them. You know what I mean? And uh, it's going to be interesting revisiting 30 Star and going, going into those, those um, mixes. 
So, uh, but anyway. Phil Atwell would love a double vinyl vigil. <laughs> a double vinyl vigil. It's like the problem is, vigil was a vinyl. It was just a single album. And that's the problem. It's, well, we even had that with, with the consequences of things where, you know, you've got the, 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 the two vinyls. And I don't, I don't like that bit where you've only got 10 minutes or 12 minutes on one side. It's like, you know, it becomes, you know, you want a lump of, of, of sound. You know, you want 20 minutes on a side of vinyl. Otherwise, you're up and down off your ass all the time off the couch, you know? Well... Uh, yes, it is. Hugh Bynes, Utrecht. Can, as a lyric writer, can you listen to instrumental music, for example, Tubular Dawn, Bells, Omadon, Snowgrass, Topographic Oceans? <laughs> yes, eight four. Yeah, I do. I can listen to instrumental albums. I listen to some classical albums sometimes, you know, or jazz albums I and mean, I've got some John Coltrane stuff and you know bits and pieces that you know if in a moment I just you know decide to flip something on you know yeah I can listen to I can listen and I can enjoy you know instrumental albums without you know but I, I don't like it if it's too when it gets too finicky I don't um it was a I think when it starts getting over complicated my mind switches off I can't my, I can't sit in it at all you know and I'm, I'm you know, waiting for the words. But yeah, but I do appreciate, I mean, I remember, I remember when, uh, I remember when Jubilee Bells first came out. And it was, uh, the person, that, the only the person that I know that had that was Catherine Thompson. Rest in peace, Catherine. And uh, Catherine was the first person I knew that had Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells. And it was like, I just thought it was incredible. It was, uh, it was wicked. Um, John Thompson, remasters are fine, but don't remove the dynamic range. Oh, yeah. Sorry, John. I'll give you Callum's phone number. You can phone him up and ring him. All right. Uh, Sean Ames. Greetings from Kansas. Hi, Sean. Colin Ferguson, you are in Atlanta, Barney. I hope you're all right down there. You must be. It's, must, it's interesting times. Like I said, we were going to stay up and watch the debate last night, and I, I recorded it, and I got up and I sat and watched it this morning. Which was another reason why time disappeared and I didn't manage to get my beard shaved because I ended up I was watching the Trump Biden thing, and uh, it was interesting. It was, it was very interesting to see that. And you know, the next two weeks, I mean, not only have we got the Hibs Heart Scottish Cup final, but we've also got the presidential election. And I will be staying up all night. I mean, it might that might be a Jack Daniels night. That might be let's stay up with a bottle of Jack Daniels. So, uh, John Gemonotta. Got the DVD with your album. Good man. Thank you. Brian Treadgold. Callum's work on Feast and Veltschmerz is some of the clearest and best mixing I've ever heard. I completely agree with you. He's, he's brilliant. You know? uh, Jim Gross. I'm Jim's wife and he's loved your work for years. It's his 50th birthday today. Miss you. Ah, uh, Victoria Richardson, when things are better, would you consider doing small 20 to 30 people gigs in bigger halls like Danoon on the Fishheads tour without the talking people in the bar? Um, I've always said, you know, it's, you know after my last tour, if, if I'm going to go out, it'll be for fun and it'd just be for a fix. You know, it'd just be to go out and get a gig fix. But, I mean, it'd be, 
Abby spoken more to be it'd be doing something like this, maybe having a couple of musicians with me and doing a bit of singing as well, but I mean not an electric tour, no way. It's um well, Maybe she'd open a little shop in if I'm no postage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh that's that's really cool, yeah. My missus is really like that, you know. There's a, having a queue of socially distanced people all the way down the farm drive. Nah. <laughs> uh. Oh, I'm losing it here. Hi, Fish. When will you be back in doodling? I've got no idea. David Moy. Um, I've got no idea. I mean, um, I, got, I, I got an email through from a German agent and we've been offered uh, a show in September in, in Plovdiv where we'd played before. A beautiful place in Bulgaria. And it was a Roman amphitheatre. It was an incredible gig. And um, working with, we worked with an orchestra then. And I think this, that's part of the, the deal. But... Um, you know, we're getting offered the gig, and me, even my, even my agent, this is my agent, who did have, he did have a kind of Trumpian movement, moment way back last year, and he said, oh, it's just like the flu, he says. Right? I said, oh, yeah, really? You know, two cancellation later. Um, yeah, so we've been offered that, and it's just like, and even he said, you know, it's unlikely that, you know, going by what, how it's running at the moment, that that is going to happen, you know? And, uh, but he said, you know, it's just before the tour. And, you know, when he says, you know, it's just before the tour, but it might not happen, then you know what the rest of that sentence fills out as. And, uh, and um, we just have to see. I mean, you know, I was listening to, I was listening to the, the news the other day and, and there was a couple of health advisors, like, you know, scientists, you know, the ones that we have to trust. Right? Um, and they were saying, you know, it's looking like... Um, you know, in the 22. And, uh, and that's kind of where I think it's going to go. My personal feeling is it's going to be 2022 before we're safe, that we're, we're in the clear, that people feel confident, that psychologically uh, people are ready for gigs on both sides of the wall. And um, it's, uh, that, that's where I think it's going to be. I mean, I, I, I'm not confident about next year. I'm not scaremongering, but I'm, you know, I'm not confident that the tour, you know, next autumn is going to happen. It's scary figures. I mean, as I said, I mean, Simone and I were talking um, last night and, you know, she's desperate to get back and see her mum and dad. And she's not seen them for a year and it's just such a difficult thing to, to organise and put together and, like, watching the case rates in Germany going up, you know, profoundly in the last couple of days. It's like, you know, it's a risk and it's, you know, and I've got... I've, you know, it's, it's, it's everything that's involved. It's like, you know, Simona's got to get on a flight to go to Frankfurt, to get on a train, to go down to Karlsruhe, to meet up with mum and dad and stuff and, and be in, and in that environment and then to come all the way back. And if she comes back, she will have to go into quarantine in the cabin or whatever. And we have to work out, you know, how we're going to do it when we can do it and what it all means because I mean the other thing it's going to mean is that the shop is going to have to shut for, for probably a, well, a week my daughter Tara she's absolutely brilliant and, and Tara's offered to come down and, and, and stand in and, and help with my mum here but again you know if Tara comes down we've got to kind of bounce all around that and deal with the times and the frames and, and everything and um and you know as so someone I said you know it's you know if, if she got taken ill it's um you know, it's, it's, it's her, it's my wife, you know? And, 
you know, and then as she said, you know, if she comes back, you know, it's the whole thing. So it's, it's really it's shit, you know. So, uh, but yeah, so we just have to keep it in, in our mind, don't we? Yeah. We have to keep it in mind. The Carls will visit. Yeah. Yeah. I I've not seen your dad on. No. Yeah. You want to say hello? He's probably watching tomorrow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Simona. I was, I was, I was, Hello. I was saying what a great job you were doing. Oh. And I've, I've said, I, I said that if they've got pre-orders that are, it's been outstanding for a long time, right? Yeah. For to get in touch with Simona, mm -hmm. sales at fishmusic.scot. and uh, yeah, we'll get it sorted for you. It's, um, it's, it's, it's a software issue. It's got nothing to do with things going missing here. It's, it's stuff going missing inside the machine, and, um, and. You know, we're trying to find them. So, but I mean, we're at this point now where we can't see them and we can only see them if somebody gives us a prod and enables us to go back to the people that are running the software and go and find it. So, um, yep. that's kind of where we're at. But you, you've done really well. You're clear now, aren't you? Well, yeah, but hmm? as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and did you have a nice birthday? Yes. I showed them your machine. Just uh, machine. Oh! My kitchen machine. Yeah. You haven't haven't used haven't tried it yet. Yeah. We'll get time. Yeah. We still not got the garlic in yet. We still not got the, the chilies. The chil the chilies are still on the plants through in the in the greenhouse. And we need to get them sorted out. And we need to get the garlic in and our four hundred mixed tulip narcissus. Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh god. Yeah, so um I think it could be it could be um, camouflage gear and umbrella tomorrow and out in the garden with a wellies. We should do it now because the, I've just seen the moon. Yeah. It's too nip growing moon. It's always good for planting bulbs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's when. That's when this is true. Right. Uh, that's when you're supposed to plant naked. We could get naked and grow <laughs> planting bulbs. <laughs> yeah, we could. Yeah, but someone was saying uh, that uh, I mentioned earlier on that someone said like I should I should change outfits. For it, so she was seen. Like, Do you have more interesting? <laughs> One night in Indian. <laughs> Would you? Good evening. She ever said anything like that? No. no, dressing up games aren't really for Fish and Friday. We'll keep them for later. <laughs> I'll wear the Indian costume later, my love. Yeah. Ho, ho, ho. Oh, Sean Holiday is asking, what's for tea tonight? What's for tea? Steaks. Steaks and chips. Yeah, because the vegetarian's out with his... his, his my dad is watching. Papa, chips are not kartoffel chips. Chips are pomace. French fries. <laughs> French fries. American fries. Mm. Ali Pisan getting some chilli next Sunday, people. Oh, yeah, the big chilling vote next week as well. Um... Yeah, you've got a lot of happy blade birthdays. Scott McDonald, Paul, Paul Bernard says hi. Uh, oh, da da da. I've got a scoon to scroll down. Paul Schleitlin's in Belgium. Hello, Simona. You're getting really popular now. Is that? Mike James, Babisa, Tim Sycamore, Simone, Dennis Martins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jean-Paul de Begier, thanks for the fast delivery, Simone. Ben Hunter says hello, Simone. Jeffrey Dobbs, happy birthday. Michael Harris, did it. Vincent Fercillo, fish, do you officially endorse Donald Trump for President of the United States? Uh, 
No. It's not my country, right? And I've kind of refrained from it, but um, uh, I just find it really strange. I mean, um, you know, it's two very old guys, you know? I mean, um, I've, got, I've got my own kind of opinions and stuff, but can I fish for Friday? I mean, I, I try and steer away from politics because you can answer and I don't want to be, you know, giving you a diatribe and I don't want to be kind of... But I, I just don't like Donald Trump. I'm sorry. It's, uh, I don't like the man. It's, um, it's, uh, and that's, I'll leave it at that without going over the top on it because it's if I wink, you know, uh, if I went, <laughs> there would be an hour. <laughs> I have my own views, and I'm very happy, and I'm, I'm, I think I've got enough savvy and enough knowledge to debate with people about um, American politics as somebody who's a Scotsman, right? And that's another thing completely that I won't even go anywhere near just now. Um, Robert Perez, I've got the album Phoenix, brilliant. Uh, yes, <laughs> I know about the PC bit, I'll explain later. Uh, Darren Parker, yes, um, yes, yes, Camel Gear, yeah, it's always great in the garden. Yeah, I've got a couple of great things. I've got, uh, I've got, um, I've got this great camouflage uh, top, and it's um. It's a, a it's a paratunic. Doris Brendel, hello. Yeah, I'm glad you got your album okay, down. But yeah, so um, I got this down in Bosnia, and every time I've 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 ever worn it, there's people like there's army guys going, "Where did you get that?" Right? It's really cool. It's very warm, right? And um, Irvin, Irvin Finley, uh, but Derek, sorry for the spam. <laughs> Hi, Egbert. Kenny T, need a Simone on Saturday. Yeah, well, Kelly. That's our thing. It's been great. It's, uh, I've seen more Hibs matches this season than I've ever, ever seen in my life. It's like, you know, it's, it's been wonderful. It's like tomorrow I've already registered on the Kilmarnock site. And I'll, it's £12.50 to watch the game. So, and I've found a way. I found a way. Yes! I managed to work out how to get the laptop properly onto the TV, right? Yes! And I found the right lead and everything. So we, last Saturday afternoon, we were sitting watching, uh, we were sitting watching what, what was the Hibs Ross County game. And, uh, and tomorrow we'll be sitting, drinking Bovril in the living room with the fire on, watching Hibs against Kilmarnock. And I've seen, the only game that I've missed was the Hibs Celtic game um, because it was on, on Sky and I, I didn't go for that. By the way, somebody said last last week about, you know, that I was kind of having a, a, a downer on Sky. I appreciate there are a lot of people in Scotland work for Sky, right? No problem. I am a Sky customer. I have HD Sky and I pay for it. I don't get the movies and I don't get the sport. I have my own opinions about, you know, how TV has influenced football and stuff, not as far as I'm concerned, in a positive way, right? So, um, but yeah, I, I take exactly what, you, what you're saying and it was kind of... A bit weird with the old firm match. Uh, I actually listened to the old firm match on radio, which is another one of those things that have come back in lockdown. Going out the greenhouse and listening to football on the radio. Like, just like the old days. <laughs> oh, 
Clay Langston, time for a new show, Simona on Saturday. Well, you're like, hey, hey. We start our own channel. Oh. Alan Couples saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Evan Finley, yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Portsmouth Carol fishing lederhosen. Yeah, yeah. No. That's, I, that's, I find that weird. That's a weird idea. That short leather shorts with like, the wee bib and, and tucking braces and stuff. Nah. Never understood that at all. <laughs> Malcolm Ross, eating from Swansea. Uh, hi, Fisher, are you considering Gerard saying a revised version of The Mask? No. It's, um, Mark's got his own stuff. And if you want to visit Mark's uh, website over the weekend, you'll find some stuff and things because he's selling. It's part of what we do. It's, uh, um, you know, I sell the, the, the albums and, and Mark sells the prints. So, uh, it's... Um, so Mark's got his, his the Veltschmerz material and the special, you know what I mean, at the back of the deluxe music, the deluxe version, you find that on Mark's website as well. Oh. Kalamazoo, Michigan. The young man's fantastic. Steve Slayer, Kalamazoo, Michigan. That's brilliant, eh? Where are you for Kalamazoo? Kalamazoo. Brilliant. Matt Lazarus, San Francisco. It's great, isn't it? Brilliant. If you've not seen it, watch the Trump show. Yes, I've been watching the Trump show. It's scary. But the other one, and I don't know whether it's tonight, <laughs> and I couldn't help but it didn't. It really caught my eye. The Juli the, the the Giuliano thing, right? With Borat. Oh, I mean, I've seen what's been written in the press, but I really want to see it with my own eyes to determine just you know, is it really as bad as they said it was? So. For those that don't know what I'm on about, I don't want to go too far down this route, but like, just go and have a wee Google on uh, Borat, uh, Major Giuliani, uh, Mayor Giuliani, right? So I'm just looking, you know. Richard Llewellyn, you th yeah, I know, I know what you mean. It's like, you know. Uh, Phil Atwell, both posters and books be back. There's books on the shop at the moment. We're still selling mass books, yeah. Uh, posters, some of them, the visual posters we've still got. But uh, a lot of the other ones aren't there anymore. Uh, we sold out of them. So it's, um, uh, I've, I've got to watch this. Dave Summers, the new album is growing on me fast. Usually the sign of a great album. That's good. Good. It is. But I got this through. I got a couple of things. I'll have to watch my time. It's backwards. But I got this sent through. And it's... it's um, it's from Spotify for Artists, right? So this is kind of because I'm an artist on Spotify, right? Now, right? right? It's been a month since your release went live. Fish. Moi. Since Velchmats was released, you've gained, right? 448.9 thousand album streams. I will repeat that. 448.9 thousand album streams right we've got i've got 1.9 thousand 1.9 thousand uh more followers and i've got 2,000 more monthly listeners right and now incredible right so there you are so on spotify the album has been streamed 400 and nearly 449 thousand times uh, I've sold about, I think, 
11,000 albums, 10, 11,000 albums. I've sold 11,000 albums, but the album has been streamed 449,000 times. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. See the smile? <laughs> it's great. People listen to the album, you know, but I wish a few more of the people that are listening to it on Spotify right, would actually buy it and hear it in the proper quality that it was recorded in, right? Rather than on an MP3 or whatever. But there you go. But I mean, isn't that amazing? 449,000 album streams. I mean, obviously, maybe there's somebody listened to it a thousand times, right? Well, but, um, oh, and this is another one I got him. I don't know. Carmen, Carmel, I don't know if you're listening. Right? I don't know if you're, if you're watching, right? Carmen Hustler, right? He said, Hi, I ordered two tickets via ticket line for Manchester Academy for the gig in Manchester on February 21. However, as Fish has cancelled, they have refunded the money for the tickets but not the booking postage fees. We feel it is rather unfair in this current climate to lose £12.60 through no fault of our own. We weren't even offered the opportunity to hold on to the tickets for a change of date. Funnily enough, the tickets arrived on Monday the 19th, October, six days after the email on the 13th. Could Fish intervene and ask them to refund this fee? Ticketmaster have been refunding booking fees for other gigs. I'm sure there are many in Manchester that are disappointed and will also have the same issue. I would love to. I have absolutely no jurisdiction over Ticketmaster. I am not involved with ticket sales. You know, basically, my promoter rents the venue and the venue sells the tickets and it's up to them to do it. You know, it's up to them. And I'm really sorry, but I, 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 there's nothing I can do in this. I th Legally, their argument is going to be, um, well, we processed the ticket and sent the ticket out to you and that's what they charge. I think what they charge for tickets is absolutely ridiculous. Um, uh what they're charging for a ticket is kind of, although they've got their own costs, right? But I mean, if the money that they're making on a ticket is, it's a lot. It doesn't cost £12.50 to run on a programme. And I don't like it. I don't like these ticket and fees. I hate them. And I'm really sorry, but I mean, it's, it's highly unlikely that, you know, they're just going to dig in and me phoning up Ticketmaster ain't going to do nothing, right? And as I said, it's got nothing to do. I think it is, they could be a little bit easier, but the argument is going to come back. Okay, we're a venue, da da da, blah, blah, blah. We've got nothing going through, etc., etc. You know, it's rock, it's a hard place, it's pain. And um, I'm sorry. I mean, I wish there was something, even if they gave back, you know, 50% of it or whatever. But I mean, um, it's Ticketmaster. Like I said, I don't, I don't like these, these, in fact, was it actually Ticketmaster? It was a ticket line, sorry. So probably walked in a legal minefield there. But it's a ticket line, Ticketmaster. Anyway, I don't have anything to do with the tickets. And I do think that the prices that are charged for people to get tickets, you know, it's a 35 pounds, you know, ticket, right? Including VAT. And it's like, you know, 12 pounds 50. Was it, was it? Uh, £12.60. You know, £12.60, you know, to, to for, a, for a, a concert ticket that's, that, well, the artist is charging 35 quid, and I don't see 35 quid. It's, um, you know, 
the rule of thumb is normally the artist makes about a third of a ticket price. That's a kind of a very loose rule of thumb, right? So uh, do the math, right? Well, uh, Paul Cavender, that means 400k, 10 for each song, 40k each song. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Clear. Oh, it's gone up the. Uh, I need to scroll down. Send that birthday thing again. Tommy Sebastian Halseth from Norway, Paul Bernard. Yeah, Greg Haley, yeah, got forty pound for the streaming. It's like people go like, "Why are you retiring?" It's like you know, like man, you know, back in the day, it's like you know, you'd be, you, you know, we used to sell hundreds of thousands of albums, and like, there we here we have it. You know, what was it again? Four hundred forty nine thousand album streams. Right? You know, I mean, like I said, if that translated into sales, it'd be fantastic. You know, but then again, it's, yeah, then again, you know. Uh, Martin McCaffrey, I've got Apple Music, but I bought the deluxe version. Thank you very much. You know? Sean, Sean Mitchell, word of mouth, big man. Yeah, this is how I'm working it. Yes, we've taken out ad, ads and stuff, but I mean, back in the day, Marillion didn't really happen. Yes, we had the great big, you know, posters that you might put up for Marcus Square Heroes, but Marillion happened a lot through word of mouth when we signed to EMI, right? We were already, we'd already been, you know, we sold like 13 marquees or whatever it was that year. And that was in the days of the marquee, you could, you could do the sardine thousand in, right? But, um, but yeah, but I mean, when we happened, it was word of mouth. You know, we weren't getting played on radio, as you will know, until Kayleigh happened, right? And, uh, and it was all word of mouth. And it's the most honest way for an album to spread. You know, when people play it to their friends or recommend it to their friends. I was talking to somebody just the other day that, that said exactly that, that they'd been playing it in a car and his two mates went, what's that? And um, it's a really honest way for an album to develop. And the thing is, it works well for us because Simone and I were both really, really worried about when the album came out, that if it had gone too big, it, we could have melted. We could, it, we could have gone a total meltdown here. And we were already, you know, I mean, we didn't say at the time, but we were struggling with software, right? Back, back in the, 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 the very start of the remaster, we, we got through it. Simona got through it. I mean, she was absolutely brilliant dealing with it all. And, um, but I mean, our biggest worry was that, you know, we, it was going to become an avalanche that we just couldn't get out of the way and it was going to take us out, you know? And so the way this is kind of working at the moment, it's great. We've done the pre-order and now we're sitting there and we're able to deal with all the orders that are coming in every day. And as I said, you know, I mean, yeah, that's a big number. 449,000 people. If we had 449,000 orders coming in for albums, you know, it would be... Um, <laughs> trouble at mill. Uh -huh. So it was a, but so yeah, so I mean, at the moment it's great, you know, because we don't have a rich lifestyle, you know, so it's like, you know, we're not, we've not got, we've got bills like everybody else, but I mean, it's like, you know, we don't have a rich lifestyle, so, you know, we don't, you know, just, to, and I said this previously, it's like, you know, to, to go out and sell half a million albums, you know, to sell half a million albums, you know, suddenly there's a whole new pressure thing comes on you to do stuff and do that and do this. So we're okay at the moment, we kind of, we're kind of hiding away a little bit and it, it works, you know. Uh, 
Thank you, Egbert. Pat from Bangor, Pat Comey, hello. Colin Hill, Pete Townsend, Chinese Eyes, you rated as a top album, still rated. Yeah, I, I really like that Pete Townsend album. If you've, if you've not heard it, you can play it on Spotify. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, all the best cowboys have Chinese eyes. It's a fantastic album. There's some great lyrics on it, really heartfelt lyrics. And um, I've always liked Pete Townsend's lyrics. And I don't know if I mentioned, I don't mention this before, but we actually tried to get Pete Townsend to play on Waverly Steps. And uh, I approached, um, I knew somebody who knew somebody. And, you know, I'd, I've met Pete a couple of times over the years. And we got on pretty well, but I hadn't seen him for a long, very long time. And um, I, I thought it'd be great if he could come and do some acoustic guitar on, on, on Waverly Steps. But we hit the person who, you know, we hit the wall, you know, like, how do you know him? Do you, do you know him well? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, can some, just see. So it never happened. And it was, Pete doesn't do guest spots. And I understand that because I get asked loads of times to do bits and pieces of other people's albums. But so... But yeah, so it was, um, but yeah, if you've not heard it, all the best cowboys have Chinese eyes. I should move into the song at seven o'clock. Right. I've not listened to it. I've not, I, I, I managed to not listen to it um, this afternoon. Right. Because of the time. <sighs> Perfume River. Did it win? It did win, didn't it? Or is there going to be objections? No. My postal vote, there's been the Russians and the Iranians have got involved with the Fish and Friday session and have twisted the tracks around. Uh -huh. Tony Medeiros, how do you deal with guilty about cigarettes and alcohol? How do I deal with guilty? Um, I don't feel guilty. Um, I'll leave it at that. It's, uh, like I said, this morning I stopped stopped drinking for about five months and it was great and I actually really enjoyed it and um but you know in recent weeks where we, we have got to that point at the end of the night when you've been staring when when your house is full of cardboard right up to the roof and uh, you know there was yorkies parked outside like you know like a car park in dover next january and um it was uh yeah it was, we needed to chill a bit <laughs> move the albums over so we can see the tv love uh, um, okay. Where did I start with Perfume River? Uh, right. Vietnam. I've mentioned this before because it, it, it came up in, in, in another lyric, in another kind of song. It's been mentioned on a previous Fishing Friday. I always had a bit of an obsession with Vietnam um, because it was kind of like my war. It's, that might sound really strange, but it was kind of... It was the war that was on TV all the, all the way through while I was growing up and, 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 and in my, my early teenage years, you know? And um, I remember in the house in Glebe Street, right? when we were downstairs and I had German measles. It was 1963 and I had German measles and I was downstairs and there was a black and white TV and I was kind of, my head was kind of 
at the TV. So the TV was round the corner. So I was poking my head, lying in bed, poking my head round. And my uncle Charlie was there. And my uncle Charlie was uh, married to my mum's sister, um, Liz. And Charlie had fought in uh, in Burma. He fought with the British Army. He was a, he was a regimental sergeant major. He was a very scary guy and a, a really nice guy, but a, a very scary guy. When he you know, and he was he used to karate chop, right? It was uh, he he karate chop light switches. Those you know those big light switches. He karate chopped them off walls when they were doing decorating, right? You did not mess one called Charlie, and it was a. Uh, and he also had this thing about curries. He used to make these curries. Every time my mum and dad went down, the kids would get put at the wee table at the side and we'd get like a little curry with like, you know, loads of, you know, yogurt in it and stuff, right? And he'd always try and stitch my dad up, right? And I was like, want a curry, right? And he was like, he'd make my dad these curries and you'd see my dad's face melting, right? And he'd go, it's like, <laughs> you know that macho shit you get in restaurants, you know? <laughs> Sweat's pissing out him, right? It's like that, rolling in his face. Tasty, Charlie, very tasty. <laughs> I'll have another Bacardi and Coke, please. <laughs> anyway, so I was there, German measles, Englib Street, in bed, black and white telly, and my dad and Uncle Charlie are watching an article on the news. And what it was, it was way back at the early part of the Vietnam War, right? Or what the Vietnamese call the American War, right? And um, there was these soldiers in trenches and it was kind of CBS footage or whatever it was and it was kind of the cameraman was down there and you see these guys lifting the guns. They're lifting these kind of um, M16s above their head and just letting loose with a magazine and going, not shooting at anybody in particular, just firing bullets. And my uncle Charlie went mental, right? And it was the first time I'd ever really heard them swear. He's going, fuck at these fucking bastards, right? Because he was a Preston boy. Look at these fucking bastards. What are they doing here? What are they doing? Look at them. You know, all the money in the world, you know. And he, he had no respect at all for what was going on down there. And it was, that was my reduction. That was Vietnam. And, uh, and through all the years that followed, you know, I'm watching the Green Beret with John Wayne, right? It was the most pish war film about Vietnam that's ever been made, right? I've watched it since, and I look on it as a comedy. It's the most racist, jingoistic, oh, vile film, right? And um, I was, I grew up, and as we got colour TV, suddenly Vietnam was a war that was in colour, and I watched the helicopters, and I loved the helicopters. I loved... Bell Huey helicopters, right? And I had this, it was like the, the way, the fact they came in, I mean, of course I knew nothing about the war, right? I mean, I was just watching the news, but there was a lot of interesting things about <clears throat> Vietnam, which were learned by the military, and especially the American military, right? It was the first time that kind of uh, journalists and photographers and camera teams and news teams well, suddenly they were there with the troops and they were commenting, right? And it's often said that one of the reasons why the Vietnam War, why there was that whole anti-war movement that occurred in the kind of late 60s and the 70s, right? Um, a lot of the reason for that was because 
that footage was coming straight out through Paris or whatever, through Reuters. It was CBS were there, um, NBC, ABC, whatever it was. You know, they were filming the troops, and people were seeing that war happening in kind of just about real time. And I think that shocked people, and it shocked the world. You know, and. After that, when it went into, you know, just as, as a little rabbit hole on the side, I mean, you know, when it went into Iraq, there was no way that journalists and everybody were allowed to kind of walk, walk about and, and just do, you know, back in Vietnam, people could go up and, you know, guys like Tim Page, who was a photographer that I, I really admired, and um, who I've got a couple of books on. You know, Tim Page would go up and he'd, he'd hitch a ride in a helicopter and go up to, you know, someplace up the, 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 the Lajang Valley or whatever, or he'd go up to Kisan and, and take a bunch of shots. And you, you know, they were just flying about, and the American military chiefs didn't like that. And it, of course, that lesson was learned. And when it went into when it went into the Iraq War and went into the Gulf War, it was like that wasn't allowed. And everybody had to be, you know, monitored. All the press were all monitored. They all had to go out. out. They were all taken out with their army guys. You know, very much shepherded in areas. You know, and they weren't allowed at the front, or very few were. So there was all that tied in with the Vietnam War, and, I, and it was a place I always wanted to go. And I watched every single movie that that, that has ever been made. I, I, I have seen about Vietnam. Every major movie that's ever been made, I, I've watched more than once. You know, and I wanted to go there. And in after Thirteen Star, after the whole kind of all the shit that went down, you know, in my private life at that, that point, you know, I just wanted to get the fuck out of Dodge, you know? And I wanted to be on my own and I wanted to go somewhere on my own. I didn't want to go with anybody. I just, I just wanted to go out and I just wanted to just um, do something, right? And I decided I was going to go to Vietnam and I got in touch with a company and they can arrange it. I was originally going to just go down there and, and diddly bop around and, you know, get trains and, and do that. But it was too much to organise and I wasn't confident in myself. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's one thing, organising tours for, for like, you know, bands and stuff. But I mean, it was like organising a trip in Vietnam when I didn't speak the language, I thought. So I had what, what was, it was kind of like, a, it was a, a tour that was arranged. So I, I got dropped off in Hanoi and uh, I landed in Hanoi on Christmas Day, right? And... I was left alone for two days to just find my way around Hanoi and then I'd get picked up by a car, driven to a, a, a train station and then I got on a train, right? And then I went on my own on the train. I mean, nobody ever came with me. And then I went on the train away up to um, uh, Lao Chi province, way up on the, um, the Chinese border and I was there for about four days. I met a guy, who, I had a guide who took me around the paddy fields and took me up a couple of mountains and things. And But I mean, most of the time I was just left on my own, which was fantastic. And... Um, but one of the places that I really wanted to go was Hue, right? And H-U-E, Hue, Hue, right? And Hue was the original capital of Vietnam. That was where the imperial palaces were and everything, right? And anyway, I came from, from down through uh, uh, Hoi An and, and came down to, to Hue. And I wanted to go there because it was very famous because of the Tet Offensive, right? And the Tet Offensive, if I'm right, was 68. And it was supposed to be a holiday in Vietnam and nobody ever thought that there would be 
any kind of military action during Tet, which is a recognised Vietnamese holiday. And um, as a wee sub-story to that, I actually finished reading a book called The Bright Shining Lie by I think it's a guy called Neil Sheeran. And I finished that on the roof of the Caravelle Hotel, which was where all the journalists and the photographers went in, uh, in Saigon or, or Ho Chi Minh City now. And I was on the roof of this hotel drinking cocktails, like drinking cocktails, finishing off the book. And on that roof, I remember reading about the, the, the thing where the journalists were up there and all the there was all these explosions and they thought it was the fireworks for the Tet holiday and it wasn't. It was basically North Vietnamese, Viet Cong, all having a, a kick in Saigon and that was Tet. But in Hue, right, it was a it was a major knockback, and Hue was a city that, that it's on two sides of a river that is known as the Perfume River, and it's called the Perfume River because all the flowers from the jungle, right, further up, they all float down, and at certain times of the year, the, the river is just awash with flowers, right, and there's a lot of temples and, and beautiful pagodas up that river. But the city is built on two banks, and on one side, which I think might be wrong, on the what would it be? Anyway, on one side of the river was the Imperial Palace, right? Which was an incredibly—it's a huge, huge space of buildings, like just a fortress, a massive fortress. And then there was the bridges went across from what was the, 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 the more modern hue, uh, right? And um, I wanted to go there because when the Tet Offensive kicked off, there was Viet Cong and North Vietnamese um, um, military outfits. They basically assaulted the city. They took over the whole of Hue. There were a lot of assassinations. It was a brutal, brutal time. Uh, there was a lot of um, South Vietnamese were assassinated, tortured, and there was a lot of payback went on. And the Americans had got, had to take back Hugh, and they took it back with an absolute vengeance. And um, it's um, if you watch the film Full Metal Jacket, that's kind of loosely based about kind of Hugh. That's kind of that whole thing in the factory going through the bomb. I mean, it was a mess. And the Americans went in with everything they had. And basically, there were masses of uh, um, North Vietnamese military um, that basically dug in to the Imperial City. And they just dug in there, and the Americans pounded it with artillery, with rocket ships, everything. They smacked the hell out of that. And it took them days, if not a week's, to basically drive the, the Viet Cong and the North Vietnamese out and to, to regain control. And I wanted to go to this place. And I went there and I went across to the, the city, to the Imperial Palace. And it was just incredible, it was beautiful. But at the same time, you know, they cleaned up a lot of the walls. And I mean, there was moats like swarming with koi carp. I mean, it was just beautiful. But on the walls, you could still see the bullet holes and stuccoed walls. You could still see the charred, um, the charred walls from the explosions. And 
I was left to just left to run about, and you could go about, and there's a lot of places. It's now a, it's um, it's a UNESCO site now, and they've been doing it up and spending a lot of money, um, putting it back together again and and, and redoing it. And it's it's beautiful the way that, that they're actually reconstructing the, the old imperial palace because, as I said, this was the capital of Vietnam, right at one point, and um, but then if you walked off the, the beaten track a little bit because you know. Nobody could have, I could do what the hell I wanted. It was like, you know, so I just wandered. And then when you wander into some of the other areas around the back, and then you see the areas where it's like, it's, there was still live munition that they were, they were discovering inside it. And there was a lot of people dying there. And a lot of people died. And it was, it, it hit me. And it, it was an incredible, um, it just had an, an incredible aura, you know, and the one thing I wanted to do when I was in Vietnam, apart from get on a Bellevue helicopter, which I didn't get on, right? I was gutted about that. But what I did want to do was I wanted to get on a boat and I wanted to get on a boat and go up the Perfume River, right? And I found it. I managed to get something sorted out. And I got on this little rickety boat that had a, a kind of canopy with glass windows, right? And the guy at the back of the diesel engine, and that was the, the, the little woman who was kind of served me tea and, and things like that. And there was a wee guy at the front, and that was it. Right? And we chugged up, you know, up this river. And, um, oh dear, have I gone off? Have I gone off? No. No, I'm all right. I'm okay. Ah, there it is. <laughs> Steve Wells Trump's hacking the feed because of the negative comments. Nah, I don't think so. I am but small fry for him. But yeah, so I was on this boat and we started heading up and it was it was amazing because it was like all the river traffic that was occurring on the Perfume River and I had my, I had my nick on, I got loads and loads of photographs. I, I mean, oh, that's what I did when I was in Vietnam. I just took my little nicky and I was just clicking away on this, this nick on, just taking thousands of photographs and going up the Perfume River and passing the police boats that basically, you see the coppers sitting around the table playing cards and basically they were charging people and pulling people over and fining them and et cetera, et cetera. It was, it was I mean, the corruption over there was immense, right? And, um, and we went up the river, and then we got it with brown and manky and, you know, there was, there was definitely, there was definitely a current we were going against. And we got all the way up this river and then it was, uh, and then the next thing was a bop, 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 engine stopped. And suddenly it's like, wait, 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 I'm just sitting there going like, this is really weird, right? And it was so silent. And I was just, while they're trying to fix the engine, and I'm just sitting on this boat, right? And looking out at the green on either side of me and seeing the trees and, you know, my imagination, my imagination was there, right? And it was like, you know, I was, this was Heart of Darkness. You know, this was Willard. This was Apocalypse Now. And uh, 
it was incredible and it was just so peaceful and you saw the debris and you saw the flowers and leaves you know just passing down past you and on the boat and things and um it was an incredible day we went up to a, a couple of temples the gardens were amazing i've spent ages in the gardens and we there was a couple of there was a little car there and it was uh, and it belonged to the priest who um basically self-immolated um, in Saigon, right at the start of the war, the Buddhist priest that, that, that basically burned himself to death. It was the, that was the the, um, uh, the temple that he came from, this Buddhist temple up there. And they had this car, and it was the car that he actually drove all the way to Saigon before he, he basically self-immolated. So there was all this, and I was taking it all on board. And um, I had to worry about it. And just, uh, there was just something about the Imperial Palace and all the rest of it, and... Perfume River was the song, when, when Steve and I started working on it, it was the, one of the first songs we put together for, uh, for Feast, of Feast of Consequences. And um, I really wanted it to end with a kind of Steve Earle, Copperhead Road kind of vibe in it, you know? But it was the start of the song. It was because I, I, I kind of saw that I, I wanted it. I wanted it to be on the, on the album. And, uh, and there was two things just came together, right? As I said, I watched a lot of Vietnam films and one of the movies that I watched, I mean, I've got, there must be bloody notes. Um, where are they? Must be notes. One of the films I watched was We Were Soldiers with Mel Gibson, right? And this, this is kind of gets a bit weird. Mel Gibson, Braveheart, da-da-da, right? You know, big Scottish kind of, Connections, obvious, right? And the film, I don't know, well, let me see it. It was done in 2002. I think it was Greg Wallace. Um, ah, where is the beat of the paper? And I watched this film, and it was about the air cav. And it was helicopters, you know, the Bellevue helicopters that I was like a fascinated by a kid. I once had. I mean, I've never got it back. I once had a model, of, I think it was Ravel. I had a model of a, a, a Bell Huey AC, uh, AC1 or whatever it was. And I, it was a big model of a, 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 a Huey. And it was like, wow. But, it was, um, but this film was all about the, uh, the, the Ladrang Valley. And it was, and it was again, it was, it was, where's this bit of paper going? Ah, yes. Randall Wallace directed it in 2002, right? And it was a, a guy, it was a, a US Army Lieutenant Colonel Hal Moore. He wrote the book. And uh, the, the, the book was basically all about his um, adventures in the, the Ladrang Valley, 1965. Right. But the thing about this this film, I mean, it's a fantastic film. I really liked it. It's, it is one of the one of the best um, Vietnam films, and it's about soldiers, right? And I was already involved. My mind was already working in the high wood, right? And I heard we were soldiers, and on we were soldiers, there's a track, and it's called Sergeant McKenzie, right? And it's played 
at various parts throughout the movie, and it's a Scottish song. And it's, this is interesting, right? Sergeant Mackenzie is a lament written and sung by Joseph Kilner Mackenzie in memory of his great-grandfather, who was killed in combat during World War I. It's been used in the film, da-da-da, an ending scene of the 2012 Made of Joseph Mackenzie wrote The Haunting Lament after the death of his wife, Christine, and in memory of his great-grandfather, Charles Stuart Mackenzie, a sergeant in the Seaforth Highlanders who, along with hundreds of his brothers-in-arms from the Elgin Rothes area in Murray, Scotland, went to fight in World War I. Sergeant Mackenzie was bayoneted to death at age 33 while defending one of his badly injured fellow soldiers during hand-to-hand -hand trench warfare. His gravestone states that he died on the 9th of April, 1917. The track was then included right, in the band Clanan Druma's album, Tried and True 2001. While working on the film, We Were Soldiers, director Randall Wallace received a CD of the album and was haunted by the emotion and spirit of reverence captured in Sergeant Mackenzie. He arranged for Joe and his bandmate, Donnie McNeil, who played the pipes to re-record Sergeant McKenzie with the backing of an 80-piece orchestra and the United States Military Academy Choir at the famous Abbey Road Studios in London. The Lament was introduced into the film during key scenes, blah, blah, blah. Um, it was mistakenly believed the original version was in Gaelic, right? But it wasn't. It's in Broad Scots, right? And... Um, the original pipe score was written and played by Shoris Wallace when Joe McKenzie read his poem to him and Two Bad Wilson in a house in Govan years ago. It's not a, a, a really old song, you know? And, um, and basically, I heard this song, right? And it's Sergeant McKenzie. It's about World War I. And it had that tie to Vietnam because it was on We Were Soldiers. It was, it was uh, um, Colonel Moore's thing. It was the Mel Gibson thing. And at the same time, it had that soldier thing about it. And I thought, what a perfect way to kind of set this up. And it tied in the high wood, it tied in Vietnam, and it's just beautiful. And we actually contacted Joris and, and, and Joe, and they were brilliant, and they allowed us, they gave us permission to, to um, use it at the start of the album as a very kind of underlying part of the, the, the song. And, um, and it was incredibly poignant, and, it, and I tied up my visit to Hugh and the revolution, the that kind of dynamic, the um, the uprising that failed to try and pull all that in, and at the same time, I was dealing with um, very much my own person, and there was. A sense of isolation. I think, you know, that was one of the things that I kind of brought out of Vietnam as well. I did a lot of writing. I wrote, I did a lot of diary writing down there. And, um, and it was, uh, and when I came back, you know, I was, I was profoundly affected. and I had a brilliant time. I was there for about uh, four weeks. Four weeks of morning in Vietnam. Met some amazing people. Had some great times. But then when I came into writing the Feast of Consequences thing and I decided Perfume River... That was kind of like, that was the take. Perfume River had to be the title of the song. And Perfume River was actually going to be a play a lot more. The idea was Perfume River to play a lot bigger part in the images that Mark was working on. And one of the images inside the Feast of Consequences, the Lux, with a sampan on it, right? That was actually pointed as being, that was, that was going to be the front cover of the album at one point. Or it was going to be the inner gatefold. And it became just an image within the deluxe box. But Perfume River became uh, 
something a lot more personal as it moved on and as I went into the writing in 2012 because I'd again, I'd come through another, um, you know, dark flurry of relationship activity. And, um, and that, that was kind of how I was, I, was I, I wanted to address it all, you know, and there was a lot of that was, was brought into it. But what you're going to hear, as I said, the Sergeant McKenzie thing, you know, understand why it was used and, you know, and the kind of relevance of it and kind of where the Vietnam thing is. And what I didn't do earlier on was I didn't make sure I knew what the bloody remote was. Oh, God. It's a pain. Oh, no. I really can't find it all. Where's our plate? Oh, there it is.
Perfume River. Perfume River from the Feast of Consequences album. It's a bit, oh, God. Oh. That's it. Yeah. So the first, the whole, that whole first section was kind of like where I was after um, the kind of, after the second voice, voice operation. I had, that, I had a second vocal operation. Manager just gone down. We were kind of, um, that was kind of where I was then. It was that, that first part of the song is very much rooted in the beginning of 2010. And in fact, I actually think that the original, 
the, the first part of those lyrics came round about that time and it was just isolation. And I remember, I mean, it was like, I was kind of like in a mini lockdown back then because like I said, I had my vocal operation. I wasn't supposed to be talking and, and all the rest of it. I mean, it was, uh, I had some really bad times back then. And like I said, my second manager just gone down, blah, blah, blah. That was, you know, and um, I was left alone in the winter with a voice that was, you know, um, at that point, there was I had some growth came back on the cord and I was, I was really bad and I couldn't speak for a bit. And I had this, this I remember I had a phone call and it was the most frustrating thing I ever had to deal with. And somebody phoned me up and I was trying to talk to them and I couldn't actually talk, right? And, like, uh, uh, and, it was, and I was going nuts. And it was like, you know, punching walls. And, um, and I was very isolated. I was on my own. Um, it was dark, it was winter. And it was a lot of thinking at that time. And I think that was where that, that whole first part of the, the song came from, you know? And, um, and then it was like, you know, get out there and uh but it was a, it was a strange it was a strange time but i mean i love it so i hadn't heard like i said i hadn't heard that for a while you know but i mean that the bit of the guitar i admit i mean it's steve errol's copperhead road you know you know the copperhead road you know that, that bit where it just goes up a gear you know yeah and live it was great you know i got i always remember i remember playing it in Karlsruhe, and uh i remember the place went absolutely mental and uh when we got into that end, the place was just jumping. But it was just a great live song. And that is a song that is definitely going to be in the set list of, you know, the farewell tour, wherever that happens, whenever that happens, you know. So, I'm off Rugby's on telly. Scotland, Georgia. Bye, Fish. Bye, Derek Cooks. Yeah, no. It's, yeah. I, find, I don't know about you, but I find it a bit surreal, all this kind of, the European League games that are going on. I've just, I've just completely, I've lost interest, you know. It's like, you know, Rangers playing, Celtic are playing. I think Celtic are playing tonight. And I think Rangers, I don't know whether Rangers beat Stan. I've been, that's it. You know, normally I'd be kind of, you know, on the button. But, I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, I find it a bit strange that, you know, we're going out and, and, and taking players out of the clubs where they're in bubbles in the clubs and they move them to the other bubble, which is the international bubble. And then they take the international bubble to, to meet up with another international bubble from another country take him to another country and you know people you know copying it you know right left and centre and it, it, it's and it annoys me that you know especially with the Scotland games you know during during this time and you know in the next months that, you know that we can't see them that it's uh, you know you've got to you've got to buy the, the Scotland national games and things I can we actually get we get the English games. I don't know. Maybe we should do a swap because we get the English live games on STV, but we don't get the Scotland game, right? So I had England Wales. I think was on last week. I didn't watch it. I was watching something else. But, it was, uh... but yeah, it's um... yeah, tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, tier five. I don't know where it's going to go. It's uh... it's it's crazy times. I mean, as I said, I mean, you know, Simone, our anniversary and Simone's birthday and, you know, we cooked in the house. Oh, Sutton's selling me a delicious, a delicious potted fruit ready to plant. Uh, I've got to work it out to stop the emails coming through. Right, so. Charlie Morris, please bring your farewell to San Francisco. 
I'd love to, you know. I mean, I, again, we've just got, I've got to see what happens. I've just got to see what happens. I mean, we're kind of, you know, we had to kind of shut down here again and, and, and really start looking after ourselves and, and, and going on double rules. I, I don't get, I understand the apathy towards it all. I understand the frustrations more, more than a lot of people, you know. And, um, and as I said, I phoned up, I, was, I did a phone round to the guys, you know. Um, Steve Kent, Radar, you know, he's working on Amazon at the moment. He's, he's in a room with seven robots. Uh, I was on the phone. He's doing okay. He's playing about in his garage. But I mean, you know, everybody's kind of dealing with it. Uh, Gavin, Gavin Griffiths, if you watch Gavin, hi Gav. Gav with the fish pond. Uh, so, uh, but it's, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's funny, I'm just resigned to the garden, you know, and, um, and I've just got to see what happens. Um, it's strange, you know, I think, I think with the dark nights, I mean, you, you know, Rab, who, who works up here in the, the garden with me, you know, we were saying that, you know, it's, it's the dark nights that kind of, that's, that's the double whammy of it all, you know, because, I mean, at least, you know, when we were going through it in, in March and April, we were able to go out and it was, you know, the, the, the light, the nights were getting lighter and, you know, it was getting warmer. So there was that feeling of kind of, you know, there was a springtime, you know, in our lives. And uh, now it's like, you know, winter is coming, winter is coming. Uh, and, um, yeah, and we just got, I mean, I'm, I'm personally, I mean, I was sitting there this week, what can I want to do? And feng shui, I like the idea of feng shui, the fact that, you know, and I don't completely understand it and I don't follow it kind of religiously, you know, and, you know, I don't kind of go, well, kind of cacti here and can't do this. And, but, I mean, some of the things, they, they make a difference and it's quite strange. And it doesn't really have to be feng shui, but, I mean, I think yeah, anybody that's living in a house, you know, when you leave, start leaving stuff, I think, you know, there's some a fuse goes and you don't really know why and you just kind of go well i don't need that plug anyway i'll leave it or you know there's that room that he's decorating and that's what i've been doing um and in, in the last week i mean since the tour since the tour went it's like okay we need to i need to find something i've got any things to do i need to be constructive i need to be creative and um and like i said i mean now the 30 the 30 star thing has now been basically green lighted it's like I can now start working in, in that area. But on another thing, you know, with the house, it's like, you know, suddenly the bedroom that Simone and I have been in since my mum moved in, nearly, it's going to be nearly two years now, since my mum moved in here and took, went into our bedroom, we moved to the back. So we've never done anything with the back bedroom. We just left it because it was like, you know, ah, we'll leave it, up will be all right. So now it's like, we've got a new carpet, we're going to paint it, we've got things to do, we've got a bathroom, we paint it through there. We're looking at changing, because we've now got rid of the pre-order, you know, our house space has come back to us. And we're looking at the control room. And now we're looking at the control room and going like, this is what I'm saying, next week, I'll take you into the control room and I'll show you how that works. But um, with the control room, it's like, you know, that's going to be set up now as, as part of an office thing. So there's things to do through there. There's a window getting knocked through in the mailing room. There's, a, there's an archway and a gate that I want to get built on, on the far side of the, the garden to get the woodland area. There's a greenhouse that we need to get the... the We'll get the insulation in and get the, light, the LED lights sorted out and read up about LED lights. There's things to do, and I think that's what keeps me going, you know. I don't focus on, like, what I don't have. I focus on what I do have. And it's, it's kept me sane. And I, I do suffer really badly from depression sometimes. I mean, really, that's why I write, you know. 
I mean, it helps me come to terms with things. And, um, and uh, I have to keep doing stuff and I have to keep finding things. And if, uh, you know, shaving being one of them. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I've just got to watch and, and, and keep myself positive and, and, and try and avoid the things that do trip me up. And I do get tripped up as we all do. You know, I was, you know, I was talking to Robin Bolt the other day and, you know, Robin was saying, you know, yes, one day, two days a week where it's like, you know, the black dog suddenly comes in and like, you know, you're sitting there going like, oh. I think especially when you, you switch on the TV. I mean, I, I find Sky very, you know, not Sky, but just news in general. I find it very difficult. I mean, watching all these politicians whining, backstabbing and you're watching the games, man. You can see the games coming from miles away, you know. It's like, you know, especially up here, you know, because uh, the way things are going up here, there's a certain, oh, I don't want to go down that route, but I mean, you know where some of the commentary is going to be going and it's not going to be positive towards anything that's going on up here. Um, it comes down to the basics, you know. And, you know, as... As, as as Biden said last night, you know, it's, they're not red or blue states, you know, they're all American states. And that's the way I look at it. It's like, you know, we're all people, you know, we all, you know. And I, I've really felt for Manchester. I mean, watching the mayor, was it Andy, um, he was brilliant. I, and, and I really felt for him when they were on, when they were on the on camera on live TV and that tweet came through and you could see the guy standing next to him going like, <laughs> and, Watching what's happening in Liverpool as well, I mean, it's, it's shocking. I mean, I can see, you know, I can see that there is going to become a demand for regional control. And, you know, and I, and I, and I, personally speaking, I'd like to see the regions of England have a lot more control over what they do, you know, and how they, they deal with things. I think it, it makes sense, you know. And, you know, north and south is different, you know. And, you know, nothing's good or bad, but, you know, I think we've got to agree. It's the same way as Scotland. You know, there's, it's, there are different areas. And, you know, we've got a devolved government up here that's doing very well and has been shown itself to be very capable. And, um, but like I said, you know, watching Manchester and Liverpool, I really fell for it. Watching Newcastle in the North East, it was like, you know, you know, you feel they should have more control over what should happen. And, you know, like to come up, for somebody to come up with just a bunch of graphs and go like, this is what happens and da-da-da. And it doesn't work like that. You know, it doesn't, it's it's not like, you know, this square, that square, da-da-da. It all comes down to people, right? And I will repeat, right? It's common sense that we need, right? More than anything else, common sense. We don't need to be told rules or... We don't need to be like giving all these rules. You will do this. You will do that. Like employ common sense. We're thinking people, right? And um, you know, as I said last week, it's like you know pubs. I like the idea that we're now that the UK government now seems to be doing a U-turn, and we've got a new type of furlough coming out, and, and businesses are going to be helped, which is a really important, you know. But, um, you know, in Scotland, we're tied up to the Barnet formula and we still got to go down to the, the London and ask for money and, and all the rest of it. But, I mean, this is what it's going to need. It's what it's going to take. All this halfway shit is not working. You know, let's open up this and let's open up that. Let's do this. Okay, we'll have these rules. I think, my opinion, we need like a four-week fucking shutdown, right? And it's like lockdown, right? 
and then try to get the grips with it and at the same time get this this, this the case testing sorted out the testing trace sorted out you know we need to have that in place you know you know, to be able to identify who's got it, who else have been, da da da. That's the only way we can get back to normality. This kind of half cocked shit that's going on is like, to me, it doesn't make sense. You know, it's like you know, you're just perpetuating everything. You know, it's just the same way as you know, watching the states. You look at the United States and you just go like, fuck me. You know, this is peaking all over the place. No, people are not listening, and. You know, we're sitting there, I mean, even watching the, the, the figures coming out of the, the hospital say the 90% bed capacity. It's 90% beds at the moment. We ain't copping the deaths yet, right? We ain't seen a dead student from a, a, from a university campus yet, right? And it's like, you know, what everybody's forgetting, it's like, you know, the beds are stacking up. They're bringing back the nightingales because they know what's going to happen. And it is going to happen. The sec everybody saw the second wave coming like weeks, 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 months ago because we, we knew what the score was, right? And that's where we're at, right? And, you know, I appreciate that people need money and the government has got to come up with money if we're, going to, if we're going to tackle this. Then we need to put money behind it all to basically allow people to, to go indoors. And it is going to be shit again. And it is dark and it is crap, you know? But, you know, we ain't going to get back to normalcy, right? Or, you know, until... It's like completely, until this thing is whack-a-mold right down, right the way down, right? And we won't be able to whack-a-mole it down until we actually gain control of everything around it, right? And uh, wear a mask, the mask. This works for me. I wear two of these now. I wear two, one on top of the other, and it's, it's, it's thick enough, right? And I wash my hands, you know, I, you know, I get it. Before I even get out of the car, my hands are done, the steering wheel's done, the handle's done, I'm out. I go out, I pick up a basket, I clean the basket, I take the basket, and I only go to the co-op, and I only go to Tesco's. You know, and I went down to Clark's the Fishmongers on someone's birthday to get some spaghetti vongoli clams, right? And that's it, you know? And, um, but I mean, it's, I wash my hands, I keep my distance, you know? I stay away from people, you know? I don't have to give hugs, I mean, I miss it. I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, when I watch people on TV and you see old films, and people go like hugging and clapping, and you go like, wow, remember when we used to do that shit? You know? But it's up to us, it's common sense, you know? It's all very well having tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four, tier five. It comes down to the individual, it comes down to being, you know, not being selfish, right? Not being selfish and thinking about your community, right? The people around you, not just your family, but your friends and everybody else around you, strangers, you know? And that's where it's at. And it's four minutes through. I'm running over time. Right? And I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish with this one. Because I thought I was apt. Right? I thought for, for today. Right? And there was... I wanted to... Where is it? Richie McVie. Right? Your uncle Matthew Jackson was a huge fan... He's passed away from cancer, right? So I thought I'd play this. It's not an up song. It's not this party's over. This song was inspired, right, by the time that I spent when I had sepsis, when I was in the Royal Infirmary in Edinburgh with brilliant NHS staff, brilliant NHS staff that looked after me and the guys in the world, right? And it was, um, 
And I watched those other people come in to visit them. I watched other families. And I watched as, you know, as, as you, you know, you see people moving around the wards and stuff. And when I could move, when I could walk around with my drip and shit like that, it was like, you could see them. And you could see, you know, questioning children, you know, looking at their dads and mums and stuff. And, you know, and, you know, at night when I went out for my little vape outside and that, and you see the guys well, you know, legs missing because they've been amputated because of various stuff, still smoking cigarettes, etc., etc., and, you know, wheelchairs underneath the birch trees. That was where all that came from, right? But, um, but I don't want to go back in there, I mean, and that's part of the fear. I, I do have post-traumatic stress syndrome regarding this. You know, my, it's a mild thing that happens with both sets of shit. And I get the fear, right? I get feared. Right? And I don't want to be in there with cannulas and tubes again. I don't definitely do not want something forced down my throat, right? And like, you know, to enable me to breathe. That, it, it freaks me out. And I want you to, you know, if you, if you, I mean, I see things coming up in the timeline and people go like, you know, it's a conspiracy. It's, you know, this is something that's, you know, developed by, you know, you know, Apple or whoever, right? It's like, I don't go for that, right? You know, as I said, I mean, I, I talked with somebody, you know, you know, just this week, and you know, he had mild COVID, and he's got Bell's palsy, and his his face has dropped, right? And don't know what's going to happen with that, you know, and you know, and it's the long COVID thing. This is what we need to start thinking about. Don't think about just the ventilators and like, you know, okay, you're going to be an ICU unit. It's like you could be at home recovered, and and you could be dealing with this for the rest of your fucking life, right? Right. Long COVID, check it out. Just Google it, long COVID, right? And then you'll find out what the other shit is, right? It's not a conspiracy, right? This shit is going down, right? And we need to sort it. And we can only sort it, right? If we employ common sense, right? Follow the rules that are being given, right? The scientists are not, it's not a joke, right? It's like, there's a reason for all this to happen, you know? And you're not special, right? Right. Okay. This song I give to everybody, and I know there are people out there. There are people out there that are suffering at home at this moment in time, you know, from COVID. I know people that are coming out the other side, right, trying to deal with that issue, right? And this is for all the people, right, out there, right? You and your families. We're staring at a shite time coming up, right? And we have to stay together and look after each other. Very, very important, right? So I'm gonna give you this one to go. Thank you. 
It's in her head she's scared to ask She only wants to know Is daddy coming home again? Turntable slows. That's it. Another fish and fry. I don't even know how many we've done now. Right? Uh, I've got no idea. I've, I was trying to work out the other day. And I couldn't remember. I still need to get the shit sorted out. I'm looking at that. I need to find somebody who can help me with this. But, so, but that's it. It's fish and Friday. I can hear things cooking through there. Do you want to say goodbye? So, this is from us, Simone and I, um, saying goodbye. 
Thanks for uh, being with us. It's gone a little on a bit longer. I hope I've not disturbed anybody. Um, you'll be watching it on TV. So, um, from us both, take care, stay alive, and just watch what you're doing, okay? And I'll see you all uh, next week. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ciao. Good night. Good night. Take care.